This week on Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm introducing part one of a two-part series talking about thyroid function and how important having good thyroid function is for our general well-being and how you can advocate for your own thyroid optimization. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. Today and next week, I'm talking about thyroid issues, which affects so many of us. And so often it's disregarded by traditional doctors who don't check the right labs, don't listen to you. If they do check the labs, they're not interpreting them correctly, in my opinion. And they're not looking at the holistic picture about ways that we can treat thyroid conditions not only with medication, but with diet and lifestyle changes. So it's something that affects more of you than you think. The American Endocrinology Association estimates that about 60% of women in particular with low thyroid are not diagnosed. So a lot of us are walking around with common symptoms of low thyroid and being told even by our doctors or especially by our doctors that, well, these are just symptoms of getting older. For example, if your thyroid's not functioning well, if you're hypothyroid or low thyroid, you might be gaining weight, feeling tired, feeling depressed. You might have hair loss. You could have dry skin, hair, nails, constipation, brain fog, general feeling of lowness, depression. All of these things could be associated with just normal aging but very often they're not just normal aging. They're actually undiagnosed low thyroid. So I'm going to talk to you about that in detail, and I'm going to break it up into two different videos because it's a lot to consume. So today I'm going to talk about the thyroid in general, just how it works, what the symptoms are of being low and high, and what to look for to see if you might have one of these conditions. And then next week I'm going to get into more detail about what lab work to ask for, because we really do need to be our own advocates these days and ask for the labs that we need. They may not be offered to you. And also what the treatment options are, which is not just medication, it's also diet and lifestyle changes, as I mentioned. So backing up, what is the thyroid gland? Most of us know it's right here in our neck. It's about two inches wide. You can actually swallow and feel your own thyroid gland between your hands. It's not a bad idea to learn how to do that because if it gets lumps or gets enlarged, you might be the first one to notice. And if you swallow looking in the mirror, you can actually see it moving up and down. So it's right here. Now it's often called the most underappreciated gland in our body. And I totally agree with that. The thyroid gland controls our metabolism. It's in charge of how fast our cells use oxygen and basically controls the speed at which we metabolize everything. So for example, if your thyroid is functioning too low, it's going to feel like you're walking through quicksand. Everything is going to slow down. You might have brain fog. Your digestive system will move slowly, so you'll be constipated. You won't burn as many calories, so it's going to be really easy to gain weight. You'll feel tired all the time. Hair, skin, and nails are going to change. As I mentioned, you can have hair loss, brittle nails, loss of hair from the outer third of your eyebrows, dry skin, all symptoms of your metabolism just not being as fast as it should be. On the other hand, if your thyroid is functioning in an overactive way, that's called hyperthyroidism, which is way less common and much less often misdiagnosed because those symptoms are pretty 
obvious and evident. You, you'll have a racing heartbeat, you can't sleep, you'll be jittery, anxious, losing weight, even though you're eating a lot, feeling like you drank five espressos all the time. That's a very uncomfortable and also very dangerous condition. And I'm not going to be talking about that so much because it's much less common. But what we do see so often, especially in women, especially in women, eight times more common in women than men, and especially in women in the 40 to 60 age group, that's when it hits us most frequently. So I see it all the time. Using the criteria that I'm going to suggest, about 75% of us have underperforming thyroid glands when we're around the time of menopause. So most people have it. You know, when I have a woman come in who has a really well-performing thyroid, I'm actually surprised because it's that common for it to be low. In fact, mine is low functioning without being treated in the ways that I'll talk about. So just to say it's very, very common and it's very frequently misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed. So let's talk about the symptoms of having low thyroid a little bit more. Uh, let's use this scenario. So you go to your doctor and you tell them, as I mentioned, that you're having all of these symptoms. You're tired, you're gaining weight without explanation, especially around the middle. Your hair is changing, your skin's changing, you feel depressed, you're constipated, you might have cold hands and feet, your temperature sensitivity's off. Well, they're going to check some lab work and you might hear back from them. They'll tell you, well, your labs are normal, so it's not your thyroid. This must be just a symptom of getting older or maybe you're overeating or maybe you need to see a psychiatrist and maybe you should take this antidepressant. That would be a very common scenario because they're not checking the right labs. And if they are checking those labs, they're not interpreting them correctly, in my opinion. I'm going to get into great detail about that, especially in the next episode. So a little bit more about how your thyroid gland functions. It produces two main hormones. They're called T4 and T3. What that means is there's a central protein called thyroglobulin, and it's surrounded by a certain number of iodine atoms. So T4 has four iodine atoms. T3 has three iodine atoms. There's also a T2 and T1, but we don't really know what those two do. They're not very active in the body, so we can sort of ignore those for now. We don't need to test them, but they are being produced in small amounts by the thyroid gland. But the two primary hormones that we make are T4 and T3. While T4 is not active, it's the storage form of thyroid. So we make mostly T4. In fact, it's about 14 to one, the ratio that we produce from the thyroid gland. T3 is the active form. That's the form that our bodies can actually use, that our cells can take up, and that's what actually controls our metabolism. So T4 is converted into T3, that's where we get most of our T3, by a little enzyme. And as you can imagine, because T4 has four iodine atoms and T3 only has three, that enzyme's job is to take away one of those iodine atoms, so it's called deiodinase. That's a cute name, so now you know more than most doctors about how that works. So for deiodinase to work, it needs certain nutrients for it to perform. And when we don't get those, we don't make enough T3. So there's a lot of different ways that our thyroid balance can be upset. For example, we might just not produce enough T4, 
or we might produce enough T4 and not convert it into T3 because that enzyme is not functioning properly. That's often a nutritional issue. Or we might not absorb the T3 into our cells very well. Or we might have lots of that hormone floating around in our system, but a lot of it's bound up to protein and not usable. So there's lots of different conditions that can cause this to be out of balance. And if the doctor's not checking for those things, they're just going to miss it. So starting at the top, and by the top, I mean the highest point of our brain, there's a little part of our brain called the hypothalamus that controls all of this stuff. It's like the, the great leader of all of our hormone function. It produces a hormone that turns on our pituitary gland, one step lower, to produce a hormone called thyroid-stimulating hormone. So TSH, or thyroid-stimulating hormone, has one job in the world. Its job is to stimulate the thyroid to produce the right amount of T4 and T3. So when it senses that the thyroid gland isn't producing enough of these things, the TSH will go up. So if you think about that, when you have a high TSH, it can indicate that your thyroid is low. So they're opposite. High TSH indicates that your thyroid is low because your pituitary is trying to push the thyroid gland to make more of those hormones. So when I was in med school 20 some years ago, we were taught that to diagnose thyroid conditions, all you had to do was check TSH. That's it. You check TSH. If your TSH is normal, your thyroid is fine. If it's really high, then your thyroid might be low functioning. If your TSH is really low, then your thyroid might be high functioning. And that is often true, but it's missing so many things. And unfortunately, for some reason, most, by far, doctors still only check TSH. So if you take a look at the lab work that you might have had done recently at your annual physical, you'll probably see a TSH. And then if you look over to the side on the right, you're going to see what's called a normal range. Now, a while ago, I did a video about how normal ranges are produced, and it's really quite entertaining. The normal range that most labs use is simply a statistical observation of 95% of people who go to that lab, what their values are. So if you think about it, that includes people with normal functioning thyroid, some with high thyroid and some with low thyroid. However, because low thyroid is much more common, those normal values are very much skewed in such a direction that in order to fall outside that normal range, your thyroid has to be so low that you've probably been sick for years. So there's actually been a push for quite some time, even since 2003, uh, the American Endocrinology Society has been pushing to narrow those ranges so that doctors can pick up thyroid diseases more frequently and not miss them because they're just not looking at the numbers correctly. So for example, thyroid stimulating hormone in some labs is said to be normal all the way up to 4.5 or 5, which is very, very high. Just putting those numbers in perspective, when you're very healthy, you're going to have a TSH of say one to two, something like that. So if it's four, something's really been going on for a long time. So we don't wanna look at those normal ranges. You don't wanna be at the 90th percentile or the 10th percentile. We want to be in the middle. 
And that's the difference between sickness medicine and wellness medicine. We're not waiting for you to get really sick before we diagnose the problem. We're really wanting you to be optimal. So we actually want TSH to be in the middle. One to two is ideal. So if your TSH is greater than two, that is already a tip off that something is not working properly. So keep that in mind. TSH goes up as your thyroid function goes down. So the pituitary gland is so clever. It's producing TSH. It's trying to push the thyroid gland to produce exactly the right amount of thyroid hormone. But it really only reacts to the amount of T4 in your system. So there's a lot of patients who have a normal T4. But remember, T3 is the active form of thyroid, and they're not converting the T4 into T3 because that enzyme isn't functioning well. So just checking the T4 or just the TSH is going to miss that completely. So we need to know what our T3 is as well as our T4 and our TSH. And so a complete thyroid panel is going to include TSH, a T4, and a T3. And not just a T4 and a T3, but specifically the free circulating amount of those two hormones because we produce proteins that bind those hormones and make them unable to be used. There's a, there's a protein called thyroid binding globulin and it binds thyroid hormone. And we make more of it in certain circumstances. For example, if we're taking birth control pills or if we're pregnant, taking hormone replacement, all kinds of hormonal issues can increase that protein. Lots of different disease processes can change that amount of protein as well. So what's really important is how much free T4 and especially how much free T3 we have because that's kind of where the buck stops. What our free T3 level is indicates how much thyroid hormone we have available for use. Now, even that is in the whole picture because our bodies are so clever and our thyroid is such a symphony of things going on trying to keep everything balanced. So there's another hormone that can put the brakes on things if it feels that our T3 is too high. And that one is called reverse T3. Reverse T3 looks just like T3, except it stops it from functioning. So what it does is goes in and attaches to those T3 receptors that are waiting for the T3 to come on in and do its job, and it blocks them. So if you have a high reverse T3, your T3 is not going to work. So if we just checked your free T3 and we didn't check your reverse T3, we might not know that that T3 actually isn't able to be absorbed by your cells. So there's so many different components that need to be checked. Not finished yet. <laughs> the most common cause of low thyroid is an autoimmune condition that you may have heard of called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So Hashimoto's thyroiditis is a name for low thyroid caused by our own body making an antibody that attacks our thyroid function in a couple of different ways. There's actually at least two antibodies that can cause this condition. The one that's commonly checked for is called thyroid peroxidase antibody. Now that's lots of information, but thyroid peroxidase is another enzyme that allows iodine to be taken up by that thyroglobulin molecule. So if you don't have this enzyme working properly, you're not going to be able to produce thyroid hormone. So if you have an antibody that attacks that enzyme, well, imagine what happens. Now you're not able to take iodine up into the 
thyroglobulin and you're not going to be able to make thyroid hormones. So having a high level of anti-thyroid peroxidase, it's called the TPO antibody, is a diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Another antibody that can be present actually attacks the thyroglobulin protein directly. So anti-thyroglobulin antibody, that's another antibody. So those two antibodies are really important to check for. The anti-TPO antibody and the anti-thyroglobulin antibody. Now, one of the ways that this is misdiagnosed in my humble opinion is that there's a certain level of antibody that gives us that diagnosis if you look it up in a textbook. For example, many endocrinologists say that if your TPO antibody is greater than 30, then you have Hashimoto's. If it's less than 30, you don't have Hashimoto's. So I always wondered, well, what if it's 29? Do I not have it or 28? I mean, it's a very arbitrary number. Actually, we'd really like to have zero. So if you have any of that antibody, or at least greater than 10, any significant amount of that antibody, something is going on, especially if you're presenting with low thyroid symptoms. Same with the thyroglobulin antibody. It's very arbitrary to set a level at which you have a disease and another level at which you don't. If you've got symptoms of low thyroid and you have this antibody circulating in your system, that is noteworthy. So I don't care what we call it, but you've got low thyroid, autoimmune low thyroid, and it may or may not meet the criteria for Hashimoto's thyroiditis, but it is the most common reason why we have low thyroid. So in my office, we've been checking these antibodies in every single patient, and it is unbelievable how many of us have a low level, or you know, certainly many people have a very high level of these antibodies. It's incredibly common. More than 50% of women will develop one of these antibodies in the second half of life. So if you're not checking them, you'll never know. So again, you're going to your doctor and you're presenting with all of these complaints, the ones that I mentioned or others, the list is quite long. They mimic just being older, they mimic depression, they mimic just being tired and stressed, but maybe you actually have low functioning thyroid. Maybe you really do have a Hashimoto's antibody. Maybe your T3 is too low, even though your T4 is normal. So all of these things need to be checked. Otherwise, we're going to walk around feeling terrible for years. And this happens to me all the time where a patient will finally come in and she's been to five other doctors over five years and been told that her thyroid was normal. And we'll check and, of course, diagnose hypothyroidism. And she'll say, Oh my God, at last, I've been telling my doctors for literally five years that I had low thyroid and everybody said that I was normal and I was feeling crazy. I mean, it's so invalidating to be told that nothing is wrong with you when you know something's wrong with you. So this is where it becomes so important to be our own advocate. If we do not feel good, we know our own bodies. And if you have symptoms of low thyroid, I would be very surprised if you don't have low thyroid. I mean, we, we generally know when something's wrong, right? So all of those are important to check. So I'm going to give you that list again, and I'll talk about it more in detail in the next video. But we need to insist that we have these labs done. And I might just say, well, I have a, you know, don't lie, but you might say I have a functional medicine doctor. I read about uh, something in a functional medicine 
book that recommended that I have all this done and could you please order it for me? Or you can even go to a lab and have it ordered yourself, like anylab.com or one of those type of facilities. But you need a TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. You need a free T3 and a free T4. I don't even care about the total ones, just the free. You need a TPO antibody and a thyroglobulin antibody. And there's also some nutrients that are worth checking as well, but those are the big ones that can help tell us what's going on. So make sure your doctor checks all of those. And then the last one, of course, is the reverse T3, which is really important to put the whole picture together. So I mentioned that the most common cause of low thyroid is autoimmune. But you can also have low thyroid without those antibodies being present because there are lots of other factors that can cause our thyroid to be low. For example, remember that enzyme deiodinase that converts T4 into T3? That requires several nutrients to function. Of course, iodine is required for the thyroid to function, so that one's important. We talked about that already. But selenium, zinc, iron, vitamin A, vitamin D, B vitamins are all necessary for that enzymatic pathway to function optimally. And we might be deficient in one or many of those. So nutritional deficiencies are really common. Another issue I already mentioned is that we might have high levels of protein that are binding hormone. You know, certainly there is an age component. As we get older, our thyroid doesn't work as well. And then a more complex subject is that our gut health might not be perfect. And as things leak out of our gut, and we'll talk about that more next time, that can cause inflammation. Another factor that's almost universal is stress. And that could be physical or emotional stress. And that plays a part in our thyroid function because none of our hormones are independent. When we're stressed, we make more cortisol, which is a stress hormone. And if you go back to imagining when we were cave people, and I talk about this all the time, in that situation, it would be appropriate for our metabolism to slow down if we sensed real danger. For example, if we're about to be attacked by a neighboring tribe, we want to be storing fat, we want to be keeping our metabolism low so that we can be ready for whatever emergency might occur. So when we're under chronic stress and we have high, high cortisol levels being constantly pumped into our system, our body's going to think something terrible is going on and it's going to slow down production of thyroid hormones so that our metabolism slows down, which is a brilliant idea if you really were going to be in a famine or uh, in a long cold winter. But nowadays we don't really need that. So stress, even sleep, deprivation, or I might even say especially sleep deprivation, which is one of the most common causes of having chronically irregular cortisol levels, can in, a, in turn affect our thyroid function. So there's so many parts to this picture, not just the thyroid itself, but also our diet and our lifestyle. So I know that is so much information to absorb, and I'm just going to review it for you so that you know how your thyroid works and what to ask for when you go to the doctor. And then next week, we're going to go into more detail about how to interpret the labs and what our treatment options are. So once again, TSH from our pituitary stimulates the thyroid. So when your TSH is high, anything greater than two, in my opinion, we know that the thyroid is struggling. 
We're making T4, which is a thyroglobulin protein surrounded by four iodine atoms, and then T3. We make it in a 14 to 1 ratio, so most of the T3 does not come directly from the thyroid, but from peripheral conversion, meaning in our other tissue, not in the thyroid gland, from T4 to T3, so that's usable. And all of those things require enzymes that are supported by different nutrients that we're often low in. Of course, we need iodine, but we also need selenium, zinc, iron, vitamin A, D, B. We need to be healthy and have a well-functioning gut. We need to sleep well. We need to have low stress. And all of these things need to be checked and evaluated to see how we can get your thyroid functioning optimally because we need to demand more. You know, as I've often said, when we go to the doctor and they're like, yeah, your labs are fine. You know, so you gain 10 pounds. That's just life. You're getting older. That is just not good enough. You know, we need to advocate for ourselves so that we're not just surviving, but we're thriving. And you deserve to feel great. And I promise you, if your thyroid is low, you do not feel great. And you can feel great again by getting your thyroid functioning optimally. So I'm going to talk more about that next week, how to get your doctor to order the right labs, how to interpret the labs, and then most importantly, how do we treat it? If you learned something today, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and I'll be back next week to finish talking about the thyroid gland.